podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a special additional episode of the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. Next week, the ICC will be making a decision on whether or not Ukraine will become an ICC member. In this episode, you'll hear first from the author Alex Preston, who has taken in a family of Ukrainian refugees on the recent history of cricket in Ukraine, and then from Kobus Olafur, the CEO of the Ukrainian Cricket Federation, about his past six months since Russia's invasion of Ukraine and what ICC membership could mean for Ukraine. First, you'll hear my conversation with Alex and then my chat with Kobus. How did your involvement with Ukrainian cricket start? Um, so I play for the Authors 11. Um, uh, we're a touring side, you know, set up by PG Woodhouse and Arthur Conan Doyle many, many years ago. We have played a variety of uh, perhaps slightly unusual international cricket teams. Uh, we beat Japan. Uh, we lost to Iceland. Um, and it's something we're oh, lost dramatically to the Vatican City uh, twice. Um, so it's something where we're always a little bit on the lookout for those kind of games. And obviously when things, when things kicked off in Ukraine, we wanted to try and find a way of maybe raising some money for them and, uh, and, and you know, again, reach out a, a, a hand of cricketing friendship. I'd heard that they had a, uh, that they had a team and that it was sort of a, a relatively big thing in Ukraine. And so um, it was actually, I think... Um, at a, it was a one of our team uh, was at a tournament on uh, in Croatia and met the the CEO of uh, of, of Ukrainian cricket and uh, you know eventually they got back in touch with me and uh, and, and we began discussions and we're still hoping uh, to find some way of playing them maybe not until uh, until next year but um but but you know it was I was just really struck by what a fascinating story it was as well. Talk to me about the, the recent history of cricket in Ukraine, because uh, I think people listening to this will be perhaps slightly surprised they have a, a, a structure there and, and then cricket is as big as, as you say it is. So how much do they play, etc. And, and who are the people that play for them? So, uh, I mean, again, this is one of those ones where, like every step in the story, I learned something new about, I don't know, the operation of the world. So I, I was not aware that... Um, uh, Every year, tens of thousands of students go to Ukraine to study. Um, that it is kind of known for both the quality and the value of its uh, of its universities. Um, the majority of those students are Indian, um, and obviously, any place you get congregations of large numbers of Indians, you get uh, enthusiasm for for cricket. And so, really, this is. A reflection of one of the ways in which Ukraine tried to build its economy in, but you know, both pre the end of the Soviet era, but particularly in those difficult days in the in in the nineties and and noughties when, you know, it had this it had this thriving agricultural sector, but it didn't really have any you know what one might think of as a sort of value add um, uh, industries, and, and and education was an obvious one. It had the kind of Russian infrastructure. It was well known for the teaching of medicine in particular, and students from India could get a 
uh, a degree in medicine that would be recognized by hospitals uh, back home for about a quarter of the price that they would pay uh, to attend university in India. Uh, and so you got this, you got companies set up. And in fact, the, uh, the president of Ukraine cricket is a guy called Hardeep Singh, uh, who set up one of these organizations that basically uh, they ferried people from Indian cities to places like uh, Kharkiv, like Kiev, um, like Odessa, um, and, uh, and, and basically took them through the educational process there. Now, what happened was that uh, a lot of the Indian students, you know, relatively hard up and, and didn't want to cover the cost of returning home for the, the long summer vacation. Um, and so they stayed where they were. They found laboring jobs, agricultural jobs. But at the weekends, they the way it's been described to me is that every weekend was just a festival of cricket. Um, and it was, you know, it was uh, they would take over football stadia. They would take over, you know, literally make pitches from from scratch. Um, uh, you know, laying the concrete for a for an artificial wicket, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Uh, and and there would be stands at the side selling Indian food, and it was, and of course you have something like that happening, and it begins to interest locals, and people were drawn in, and they were like, "What is this game? Why is everyone so excited about it? And what an amazing thing to be going on, you know, around the uh, the, the borders of our of our towns. We've never seen this before." Um, and so you got a lot of people drawn in that way. You then had two other things happen. The first was that there was a, a pastor um, in a town called Kacharlik, um, which is again sort of in the in the middle of the of the country, uh, and his name was uh, was Wayne Zizech. Um, and so Wayne uh, was um, was brought up in Australia, but is of Ukrainian heritage came back to Ukraine to minister. Um, and he thought that one way of engaging with his congregation might be to teach some of the youngsters to play cricket. And he did that and they embraced it and loved it. And he had a, uh, maybe you'd call him like a sacristan or one of the sort of people helping out at the church, uh, who was a, you know, who was a, Ukrainian who had lived there all his life called uh, Yuri uh, Zagruski and Yuri uh, had never picked up a bat before but very swiftly became uh, an incredibly good cricketer and the the amazing thing is that you know uh, if I think about playing in so we play the Greek national side for instance we play uh, in a lot of, uh, you know, again, we played the, the Vatican City. And, and if you play those teams, then really uh, pretty much 100% of their teams are, um, are, are from the Indian subcontinent. So, uh, you know, I remember the Vatican City, it was all uh, kind of wiry 19-year-old uh, sort of Sri Lankan and Indian and Pakistani uh, novitiate priests um, and they, you know, they wiped the floor with us, obviously, because uh, because they were amazing. Uh, the thing about Ukraine is absolutely it started from the Indian subcontinent. But I think that it was embraced in uh, 
in a way that was unusual and, and really kind of fervent by Ukrainians. And so Wayne opens the batting and is the captain of the Ukrainian national side. Uh, Yuri bats number five. Um, there are two other uh, Ukraine, sort of ethnic Ukrainians in the, um, uh, in the team. The rest are made up from, of, you know, people who came there to study uh, and then get, got just drawn into the culture and the, and, and the incredible growth of the cricketing culture. Um, and then the final part of the jigsaw is this guy, uh, Koibus Olivia, uh, who um, uh, is a South African who's worked with the Kenyan national side, who's worked in, in the Middle East training um, and came to, um, came to Kiev and uh, and just started teaching it in schools. And again, there's just something really striking about how swiftly it was accepted and embraced. And I think it's a really powerful story of the way that cricket represents a, a way of life and a way of thinking about the world. And it is, you know, I think it's not too much to say that it, it is un-Russian, you know, so, uh, on the 26th and 27th of, of this month of July, um, the ICC are meeting in Birmingham to, and, and it is, you know, we are hoping that they will ratify um, uh, Ukraine cricket's uh, associate membership. Russia has had its membership suspended some, some time, I think maybe last year, because it, you know, A, Russia fails to recognize cricket as a sport. It doesn't receive any funding in, in Russia because it's viewed as a hobby. Um, you know, it is officially a hobby in Russia. And it really strikes me that, that Ukraine has seen in cricket a way of allying itself with, you know, not only a, you know, a world of the UK and India and Australia and South Africa, etc., you know, a globalized world, but also specifically in, with a sport that is not Russian and that the Russians don't play and that gives it an identity that is, that is powerfully other than uh, than its kind of Soviet heritage. And have you spoken to anyone from Ukrainian cricket since the start of the war? Yeah, so Koibus is, has, has left um, Ukraine and is, uh, is currently in Croatia and is training, uh, you know, because one of the things that you think about when something like this happens is the, you know, the pathway that young sports people are on. And, uh, you know, how important it is. I mean, Ukrainian women's cricket is, is really developing, um, you know, and, and it's building out youth sides and all of that stuff, all of that stuff that is much more kind of developmental uh, risks becoming, uh, you know, risks falling by the wayside because of the war. And so uh, Koibus has made sure, has basically placed himself near uh, 7,000 young and developing uh, Ukrainian cricketers and is training them while they're in refugee status. Um, and so, you know, his, his view is that they need to find a way of continuing the progression of, uh, of, of particularly the kind of elite arm of, 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 of Ukrainian cricket. Um, Wayne is, is working in, uh, in Kakalik still. He is... Um, involved in a, a number of humanitarian projects out there, trying to get aid to towns that are besieged, trying to help his own congregation. Yuri is, I think, more directly kind of frontline. I mean, I think he's helping Wayne, but I think it, so Yuri's uh, van, delivery van that he was driving was hit by a shell. Uh, I think it's 
probably a month and a half ago now. And uh, amazingly, I mean, the, the van was completely destroyed and amazingly he escaped with just kind of cuts and bruises. But, you know, uh, if you think of that, I mean, he's their, their number five batsman. If you think of Johnny Bairstow, um, you know, doing doing something similar, then, uh, you know, it is it is really extraordinary the way these guys were looking forward to, you know, looking forward to a really bright future for the sport in their country. They were, you know, on the up. They were looking at uh, a really packed international touring schedule. Uh, I mean, I know... Uh, we occasionally see posts of the Mediterranean League on on Twitter, which makes some of the the fielding look a bit questionable. But actually, you know, it's an amazing stepping stone, and I think it really like I think it's not something we should be snobby about. And I think that it's something you know, certainly being being involved, I'm like closely involved in in Greek cricket, and 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 it's a really important thing for them to have like a next stage of their cricketing evolution. So that was all ahead for them. And now they're they're involved in a war. So I'm really hoping that the ICC judgment when it comes through is um, is is a positive one and, um, and, and gets them to the stage where, you know, where they're going to be able to, uh, yeah, to, to, to be members of the ICC and, and, and with with what that will mean to uh, to Ukrainian cricket, the kind of seal of of approval that it puts upon a really massive move in terms of the the drive to embed cricket as one of the dominant sports in the country, um, and you know, and then I guess when when the war ends, that that this all comes back. And but but you know, the thing I I have really taken from this story is it's only you know really in the past kind of ten years that cricket has been embraced by Ukrainians and played in schools and just what how swiftly it has become part of of their identity and that so we have uh Ukrainian refugees living with us under the under the government homes for Ukraine scheme and I spoke to that so there's a 10 year old boy is 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 um uh is is one of them and I said, do you know anything about cricket? And he not only knows about it, but he plays it and he can, you know, he's a better bowler than I am. Um, and, and it's clearly, you know, it's part of, it's part of what they do in schools growing up. And, and I was really, I was just really amazed and touched by that. And, you know, it's hard to find much hope in, in the situation at the moment, but, um, but, you know, the place of, of cricket and the way that they've embraced it is, is one thing that you can kind of hang on to. What would ICC associate status give to Ukrainian cricket? What, why is that something that's important? I mean, I think it's important. And, and you know, I would maybe ask Koibus about the, the ins and outs of it. But it's important because it opens up a whole new list of, uh, you know, potential uh, fixtures for them. Um, it gives them a place at the table as the game develops and as things like the Mediterranean Cricket League, like, um, you know, the, the various triangular tournaments that are played, um, that are played between developmental sides like, like this one, ones who are, um, you know, who are on the path to full membership. Because, you know, surely that all of us must hope that we end up with a, with a much richer and more varied global cricketing landscape. Um, you know, I think it's also... I just feel it's a ratification of the unbelievable work that so many have put into to making cricket 
important in Ukraine. And I think that that, that, that shouldn't be underestimated. Um, I, I also, I, I, you know, there is a really nice sort of, uh, you know, circularity or, or mirroring of the, the way that Russia has singularly failed to accept cricket, to encourage it, that cricket is, you know, the, apparently the head of the Russian Cricket Federation is lovely and is, is but, you know, must be so frustrated to, to run up again and again with this view in Russia that cricket is a kind of, um, you know, it's it's for loose Englishmen and um, you know and Indians and and uh, and Australians to play, but actually it isn't, you know, it isn't something that culturally is fitting with with Russia. And and I and I love the fact that that there is just this kind of sticking two fingers up to to that coming from Ukraine. We're speaking on July the sixth. It's kind of always happens with conflict that the longer it goes on, the lower down the news cycle it goes. Just from your sense of speaking to people involved in Ukrainian cricket, just what is the scale of the upheaval that they, they have faced over the last few months and are still facing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is really terrifying how quickly we have uh, been normalised to this whole thing and that the the stories coming out of there you know, it is a, I think a lot of people thought this was how it would go, that it has become a war of attrition, that, you know, it is, it is World War One with these, uh, you know, incremental uh, takings of territory um, in, in the east of the country. Um, you know, life for everyone in Ukraine uh, will never go back to what it was before. I mean, it's, it's absolutely tragic the the scale of the devastation that has been wrought on on these beautiful and ancient cities uh, cities much older than anything um that that is in russia by the way um and i i think we just have to you know when speaking to these guys out there we have to recognize that it is a long haul and we have to stand by them every step of the way and we have to do everything we can to keep the narrative there, to keep people, you know, focused on it. And, and you know, certainly speaking to, to the refugees with us um, who have obviously got family behind, you know, the little boy's father is out there fighting, the, his grandfather is out there fighting, um, uh, you know, that it is it is just an incredibly tragic and, uh, and painful situation. And, it, 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 you know, we, we need to carry on acting and carry on talking about it and make sure that Russia doesn't get away with it. Mm. Well, amazing from, amazing from you to, to take in the family. And thank you so much for, for telling us about the thriving history of cricket in, in Ukraine. Um, and let's hope that they could get the, the bright future they were, they were hoping for before the war. That's brilliant, Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Kobus, first of all, where are you based at the moment? Uh, I'm, I'm in Zagreb, uh, the capital of Croatia. I've been there for about uh, three months now. And you were in Ukraine when the, when the trouble all started? Yes, yes, absolutely. On the 24th of February, uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, I, I was in Kiev in my apartment in, in Kiev. Could you just give a sense of like what the situation is like in Ukraine at the moment for people who haven't really been following what's going on in the news as closely as we did a few months ago? Yeah, it's 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 the emphasis has moved a bit from from uh, from Kiev and the West. Um, uh, they saw uh, sporadic uh, missile attacks in in on cities and and villages in the West, but uh, the the Russians uh, are, are basically concentrating now in the East in the Donbas area, and uh, 
you know, it's, it's really bad. There. I've got friends in Ukraine, lots of friends. I've been there for, I lived there for five years. And uh, it's actually terrible what's happening now. The situation is escalating uh, in, in Donbass, in the Donbass region. And it's absolutely a, a horrific war uh, happening in Donbass at the moment, in the east of Ukraine. And, and how did you end up in Croatia then? Uh, yeah, my, my apartment was in a suburb called Nifki, which is on the, on the western side of, of uh, Kiev, in the, in the sort of suburbs. And uh, Nifki is, my, my apartment was 15 kilometers from, uh, from Irpin, where, as it was well documented, Irpin got completely destroyed. And for 10 days, there were an absolute war raging in Irpin, which is 15 minutes away, as I said, from my apartment. So I was barricaded into my apartment in, in Kiev. Um, I put mattresses uh, uh, against the windows to stop flying glass if there's any explosions. And it, I, I put a mattress in my bathroom and I stayed there with my four dogs for 10 days. And the fighting just got worse in Irpin. The explosion sounded like it was getting closer to me. I was following uh, on, on the international news channels the, the, the war in Irpin. And luckily, Ukraine ended up, uh, Ukrainian forces drove the Russian forces back from Irpin. But I didn't know that at the time. And it, it was just horrific explosions and artillery fire 15 kilometers away from my apartment. So I decided after 10 days, I have to get out. And uh, I had no choice. So I ended up with my four dogs uh, quite a travel. We we traveled by car first to a little village in the east of, uh, sorry, in the west of Ukraine, uh, uh, Ivana Frankivsk. We stayed there in a refugee shelter at a school for five days, and then we made our way uh, across again, getting an opportunity for a ride with somebody, and we made our way across the border into Poland. And me and my dogs. I've got four dogs. We were in Poland for about um, eight days and then with then the polish government changed the law because i'm not a ukrainian you know i don't have a ukrainian passport i'm south african but i'm on ukrainian temporary residency uh, visa which i renew every three years i've been there for five years so i'm on my second uh, uh ukrainian uh, uh temporary residence visa and they then the polish government changed the law my in my seventh day there they said that uh, all third country citizens has got 15 days in Poland. And then if they, not, if they haven't left yet, they will be deported. So I would have been deported back to South Africa. My dogs would have been put in a shelter. Uh, so I had to make my way out of Poland. And that was quite a story again. I couldn't fly them. I decided to come to Croatia because it's not a, 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 it's not a, a Schengen country and uh, I would probably be able to to get a, a, a humanitarian visa here if not a refugee visa so I chose Croatia and I wanted to fly to Zagreb but they would only allow two dogs uh, two of my dogs on the on the flight so that was not an option I've got four so I ended up buying a car at 11 at night a big old 1996 um, station wagon uh, and I left with that car the next morning at six o'clock i put my dogs in the back and we had a 11 hour journey through slovakia through hungary to the hungarian border and then we got stopped at the hungarian border they wouldn't let us through they said that um 
I need the Schengen visa. And the more I showed my Ukrainian, uh, uh, my Ukrainian um, temporary visa, they didn't accept that. They couldn't really speak English, so there was no communication. And they told me to go back to Poland. So I slept in my car for two nights near the border. And then eventually my South African ambassador in Ukraine, who's a good friend of mine, uh, assisted me to cross the border into Zagreb. And I got a little apartment here with my dogs. And I've been here for about two and a half months now in, in Zagreb. That's some journey. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's actually such a journey. They're busy now doing a documentary uh, in South Africa. South African uh, documentary producer Stefan Enslin is doing a documentary on the story. Where it's called uh, War Dogs and I. And it's just been bought by MultiChoice, which is the number one pay channel in Africa. So uh, the story is becoming quite, quite famous, I must say. It was quite a journey. So tell me about your involvement in Ukrainian cricket. How did that, how did that start in the first place? How did the South African become so involved in Ukrainian cricket? Yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, it goes back from when I was six years old. Cricket has been my life. I've, I've made a, a life of cricket. I'm passionate. It's, it's a religion to me. Uh, people always tease me and say I should be Indian, not South Africa, because it's absolutely... I'm, I'm, um, cricket is the story of my life. I started playing at school like a typical young South African schoolboy. I ended up um, uh, uh, playing 12 years of professional cricket in the leagues in the UK. I was CEO of Ukrainian cricket. I was director of the University of Cape Town uh, cricket club, uh, uh, club. So cricket has been my life. And then I, before I came to Kiev, I had a cricket academy, my own academy for five years, um, Gen X Cricket Academy in Dubai. My partner in the academy was Ashwin, the Indian off-spinner. So we had this uh, uh, academy, and whenever he wasn't playing test cricket, he was in Dubai assisting me with coaching. Uh, I often visited Chennai to visit his section of this academy. Gen X was in Chennai, so he would come to Dubai, I would go to Chennai. And then I decided I, I need a break from cricket. The heat in Dubai also got to me after five years. The Dubai summers are just something from another world. Like I've never experienced up to 50 degrees and the humidity is you just drenched in sweat all the time when I was coaching cricket. So I thought I'm going to take a break from cricket and I moved to Kiev and I was going to, I didn't know there was any cricket in Kiev. So I was going to do other stuff, started like teaching. I'm, I'm a qualified sport teacher. I thought I'll do some teaching in Ukrainian schools. I'll do some English teaching. I was trying to sell South African wines and dry fruit. Uh, so I thought I'm walking away from cricket. I'll take a sabbatical for a while. And then uh, cricket never leaves me alone. Cricket follows me. And within about six months, during one of my English lessons in a Ukrainian a private school where I was teaching sport and English. Um, I, so I didn't know what to do with the kids. They were bored. I was bored. It wasn't really working. And I had a, a cricket equipment of mini cricket equipment that for some reason I took that with me from Kiev. It's a softball um, cricket uh, plastic bat and the softball. We call it in South Africa uh, uh, mini cricket. And I thought you know, one lesson, I'm just going to play cricket with these kids. I'm so tired of playing football and volleyball and basketball. So I started playing cricket with them. I took the set with me and the kids absolutely loved it. They couldn't get enough. The next lesson, the other class that I took, the next grade asked me, uh, sir, this game that you played for the last class where you hit the ball, can, can we play this game? So I, to 
you explain cricket to someone that's never seen a cricket bat that doesn't know what cricket is. They think it's an insect. Uh, to to get them interested in the game and trying to explain it, it's almost impossible. I mean, cricket is not the easiest game. And when, once you tell them it can take up to five days to get a result, they all run away. Uh, they go and play football. So I showed them a little video clip of John T. Rhodes uh, on YouTube. There's a clips of John T. doing fielding, his 10 best fielding moments. I showed this little video to all my classes. And, I mean, John T. is a very good mate of mine. I know him very well. And they... Jonti became a legend in my school in Ukraine. The kids just loved this video. They called him Batman because of the diving and that. And they related that to, to a football goalkeeper, which are all fanatical about football there. So Batman, Jonti Rose Batman became quite a legend in the school. And they all wanted to play this game and be Batman. And so I started playing cricket during my sessions. And then Mr. Shambatya, who's got a cricket charity uh, uh, Kev, uh, cricket for Care in Dubai, who was assisting me a lot in Dubai and helping me with my academy in Dubai. He's also a friend of Ashwin. He, I asked him if he could send me seven more of these cricket sets, which he did, uh, the plastic sets. And I then started doing these cricket programs in various schools in Ukraine and also during their uh, school holiday camps. They've got summer camps, winter camps and that. So I started, uh, I was very active in these camps and I started doing cricket during these camps. And over the three years that I ran this cricket program in the schools, uh, uh, I probably uh, about, I would say about 2000 Ukrainian children did this cricket program with me in various schools during camps, also in Odessa, Lviv, other cities in Ukraine. So this thing just snowballed. And then there was an article in Forbes magazine about my Ukrainian cricket program for Ukrainian children. And out of the blue, I got a call from Hadeep Singh. And he said, I want to introduce myself. I'm the president of Ukrainian cricket. And I said, but I thought I've started cricket in Ukraine. There's no cricket. He said, no, we've been playing cricket here since the year 2000. It's like 19 years of cricket in Ukraine. We've got a cricket federation. It's mostly Asian players, uh, Asian medical students that study in Kharkiv, uh, which is about four hours away from Kiev. And they've got a cricket oval there. They've got an organized senior league. Uh, it's, as I said, it's mostly Indian students studying medicine. They had a pool of about 10,000 uh, Indian medical students there. And I met Mr. Dipsing, asked to meet me. And he said, Kubis, we've been trying now for 18 years to become an associate member of the ICC, but because we don't have junior cricket development programs for Ukrainian children and we don't have qualified coaches. I'm, I'm a level three uh, certified South African cricket coach. I coach a Dutch uh, junior sides up to under 19. So I, I was the only certified qualified cricket coach in Ukraine at that time. And through this Forbes magazine, they became aware of my existence. So we had a meeting and they asked me to become the uh, CEO of Ukrainian Cricket Federation. And they had a board meeting, uh, voted me in. And I then officially started working three years ago uh, in 2000. Well, that was 2019 with the Ukrainian Cricket Federation as CEO. So my Junior cricket development program for boys and girls then became a part of the of the Ukrainian Cricket Federation cricket uh, program and structure, and uh, we then basically ticked the missing boxes 
to become an associate member to meet the criteria of the ICC. So we, we renewed that progress, um, uh, that process with um, the European ICC regional European office in, in London, based at Lords with Andy Wright, who's, the, uh, who's in charge of that office. So we started working through him and, uh, you know, doing all the documentation, meeting the list of criteria, submitting evidence that we do tick the boxes. And in December last year, 2021, we ticked all the boxes. We, we, uh, we, we, we meet, met all the criteria. And we then officially submitted the Ukrainian Cricket Federation application to become an associate member of the ICC to the European Regional Office in, in London. They forwarded to the membership committee of the ICC. And in 11 days' time, I think, um, at, the, at the membership committee meeting of the ICC in Birmingham on the 25th and 26th of July, 25th is my birthday, it will be the biggest birthday present ever, uh, we are very hopeful and I would almost use the word expecting to get um, to become an official associate member of the ICC. Uh, and that will be something I've worked for. Tyre is the, the biggest achievement. Could you give a sense of what ICC membership would mean to your Ukrainian cricket? What difference does it make? What does it allow Ukrainian cricket to be able to do? Well, it's basically, it's not just making a difference. It's a be all or end goal. It's either... Ukrainian cricket will absolutely grow and, and, and explode, to be very honest, or it will be effectively, if we do not get membership, it will be the end of cricket in Ukraine. It will be the end of 20 years of hard work, 20 years of leagues, uh, you know, playing cricket, growing the game in Ukraine. It will effectively all end on the 25th of July if Ukraine do not uh, become an associate member. What are the benefits that come with being a, an ICC member? Yo, uh, first of all, funding. Um, yeah. We had sponsors on board, but because of what's happening in Ukraine at the moment, uh, you know, the economy is gone. So companies that were sponsoring us is now, either the companies don't exist anymore or they've got, they can't even pay salaries to their staff. Um, and it's getting worse. It's escalating now in Ukraine. Every day the economy is just going down so uh, we have absolutely no, no access to any money to support any of our programs senior cricket junior cricket women's cricket so that will open up funding for ukraine and support from the icc it will also uh, enable us to get government support uh, from the ukrainian uh, ministry of sport to support our programs and to support ukrainian cricket which will then be uh, uh, officially a member of the governing body of, of cricket. And that's a, a absolute, um, uh, we have to be a, 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 a official recognized uh, sport, recognized by the governing body of, of that sport. So Ukraine will then, our cricket will then also get funding from the Ukrainian uh, sports department. And we will get T20 status for our senior players, which will, you know, it opens up a new world for them. It will motivate them. And if you look in the bigger context of, look beyond cricket at the moment, you know, in Ukraine, it's just not normal cricket. Um, it's a complete, you know, we, we're in a state of war with, with Russia. So Ukraine at the moment need um, any victory for Ukraine. Uh, this will be seen as a victory for Ukraine. It will be in the bigger context. Um, Ukraine 
the people has united now like never before. You know, the whole of Ukraine is united, fighting and, and winning this war or trying to win this war. And uh, this will be just unbelievable for, for the cricket players, but also for the people in Ukraine, that Ukraine has now, during this war, became a member of the ICC, which, you know, uh, cricket is the second biggest spectator sport in the world after football. So this will mean the absolute world for Ukraine at this stage. And Ukraine as a nation, and I'm not exaggerating, will need this kind of, of victory for Ukraine. Like when recently a Ukrainian uh, uh, band won that Eurovision contest and what that meant for Ukraine and becoming a member of the ICC will be an incredible uh, victory and a lift from Ukrainian morale at the moment. Is it possible for any cricket to be played in Ukraine at the moment? Uh, Kharkiv, where our main ground, where our senior competitions were played in, in Kiev as well, but mostly uh, in Kharkiv. We've got a beautiful stadium there. I mean, as we're speaking here, Kharkiv is in the constant bombardment. More than half of the city is, is absolutely level. It's, it's just bricks lying there. Uh, Kharkiv is at the moment as under heavy attack from Russian artillery. So there is no, not even a chance. Uh, all our Indian students, uh, all 10,000 has left Ukraine. They are all in India or some other Asian countries. We've got some Pakistani players as well, Bangladeshis, but they have all left. Uh, there's not one of our 10,000 Indian students left in, in Ukraine. They have all left. Are you still in contact with a lot of the, the, the senior players involved in Ukrainian cricket at the moment? Yes, yes, absolutely. We've got them on standby in India because we we really are working on the assumption that Ukraine will be given associate membership on the 25th of July. So the players are in constant contact. Uh, most of our board members uh, are in India and they also in contact with these senior players. So if we get membership, we are ready to get the, the, basically the, the, the nucleus of our national team together uh, in India and, you know, train them and get to any potential uh, ICC tournament that we could attend, uh, that the team can fly from India. A little bit like the Afghanistan situation, where there won't be cricket in Kiev or in Ukraine for the foreseeable future, but the team will be based in India like Pakistan at one stage played their matches in Dubai, it will be something similar. We'll play home senior cricket matches and tournaments. We will host it in, in, or, uh, in, in India and the team will move, play. They will uh, train in India and fly from there to tournaments in Europe or Dubai or wherever. It's an amazing story and I hope that you guys get the membership you deserve on the, on the 26th of July. Yeah, thank you. I can just mention that's very interesting. Our junior cricket is... While in the life, I'm here in Zagreb. I've got a group of about, uh, uh, last count it was 26, Ukrainian refugee children in Zagreb. There's 18,000 Ukrainian refugees now in Croatia, of which um, uh, uh, most of them are in Zagreb. It's a capital. And I've started about two and a half months ago when I arrived here, I started a cricket program, uh, uh, a Ukrainian cricket federation program for the refugee children and their parents in a park here in Zagreb. And uh, we train three times a week, uh, two hours from four to six on a Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. 
we have these training sessions in the park and all the kids and their mothers come. It's mostly mothers because the fathers can, cannot leave Ukraine. Men, they call it fighting age 18 to 16, are not allowed to leave Ukraine. They get mostly called up into the military and go to war. So it's mostly the mothers with the children and they all come to these sessions three times a week and I run a cricket program and we are planning a Ukrainian Freedom Cup tournament for these little kids. They're all between the ages of of four and, and 12. So a softball cricket tournament, the Ukrainian Freedom Cup in the last weekend of August, where I have invited the Czech Republic, Croatia, Serbia, and Hungary to come and send little mini cricket, softball cricketers to come and play in this Ukrainian Freedom Cup tournament hosted by the Ukrainian Cricket Federation in Zagreb. So really looking forward to that. Um, very excited about that. Fantastic. Well, Kobus has been so good to speak to you. Um, it's amazing what you're doing with your Ukrainian cricket and I hope everything goes well for July the 26th. Yes, thank you so much. I can't wait for the 21st and really nice to talk to you. Thank you very, very much. Yes. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with our next normal weekly episode on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.